This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. It was 1870, and New York City was experiencing growing pains. The roads and streets had been built for the occasional coach, carriage, rider, and foot traffic, not the 700,000 residents. With the influx of people moving in droves from other countries and various corners of America, the streets were pretty much as they are today. Packed. To alleviate congestion, the city employed streetcars and omnibuses drawn by draft horses in teams of six. Even then, traffic moved at a crawl. Horses balked or spooked with the noise and crowds, and carriages broke down. The smell of leather and horses and manure was overwhelming. Tired and frustrated, people's tempers grew thin. Fights began to break out. And then, one cold February morning, New York had a subway system. As in, overnight. You see, Alfred Ely Beach and a team of men worked while the city slept. Over a two-month period, they tunneled underground, carving out a 312-foot section between Broadway and Warren Street. Men above ground loaded up carts of dirt while others unloaded equipment. It wasn't that no one heard the carriages, but everyone thought that construction was for an underground mail and package delivery system. At least that's what Beach applied for. The design called for pneumatic tubes to move parcels between the two streets using the power of air pressure, much like those canisters at bank drive throughs just on a larger scale. While the city approved the plans, that wasn't what the inventor and crew ever intended on constructing. Sure, the design was exactly as proposed, but the railway tube was built to seat people, not packages. Was it a loophole? Sure. But Beach knew his real plan would have been turned down. His biggest opposition was Senator William Boss Tweed, who also headed up a group of less-than-scrupulous investors called the Tweed Ring. The senator and his gang were counting on becoming rich from creating an elevated railway system, and an underground version would be in direct competition. After the tunnel was complete, Beach informed the newspapers, and when over 400,000 excited and dismayed New Yorkers arrived at the entrance, he was there to meet them. The grand opening was nothing short of a gala event. The station had been decorated with a grand piano, brightly lit chandeliers, a fountain stocked with goldfish, and fine furniture for the waiting commuters. Although there was only one shuttle car, people lined up for a 25-cent fare. Within a week, 10,000 fares had been sold. Beach assured the public that a future version could whisk 20,000 passengers to Central Park in under five minutes, and the crowd rejoiced. While the public was enamored with the subway system, the city officials were not. The station had been built right under their noses, 
directly across from City Hall. Officials discussed sealing the tunnel, while others called for tossing the inventor in jail. Enraged, Tweed spent the next three years blocking plans to extend the subway's route from Battery Park to the Bronx. Despite the senator and his gang's efforts, though, Beach surprisingly prevailed, although the venture never got past the planning stage. When the financial crisis known as the Panic of 1873 hit, it left the project without further funding. At the same time, Tweed and his associates were found guilty of fraud and embezzling money from the city. The senator was sentenced to prison, where he died in 1878. With his nemesis gone, Beach tried to revitalize his dream by raising funds from wealthy associates. But they shunned him. Now almost penniless from years of lobbying, he was just another inventor begging for money. To them, the idea of an entire city traveling underground was absurd. After that, Beach slipped into depression and obscurity. By the time he passed away in 1896, he and his pneumatic railroad had been long forgotten. Later, though, New York revisited the idea of a subway. In 1912, a construction crew uncovered the original tunnel. Today, a plaque now hangs at the station, acknowledging Beach as the father of the modern-day subway. Oh, and that original line between Broadway and Warren is part of the larger system, transporting over 5 million people a day. Inventors are typically referred to as visionaries, and oftentimes that's true. But there always seems to be opposition to progress, spurred on by individuals suffering from a case of tunnel vision. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
A good book can fill us with all kinds of emotions. A steamy romance might have us feeling amorous toward a partner. A spy thriller can send our adrenaline into overdrive. And if we're reading a little-known book by Robert Kedzie, we might want to have a will prepared. Kedzie was born in Delhi, New York in 1823. When he was three years old, his family up and moved halfway across the country to Lenaway County, Michigan, where they put down roots. Kedzie started attending Oberlin College in Ohio at the age of 17, working his way toward a medical degree from the University of Michigan. He had the honor of graduating among the very first class of the university's new medical college in 1851. He stayed in Michigan after graduation, practicing medicine until his services were called upon during the Civil War. He served as a surgeon in the Union's 12th Michigan Infantry for just one year, after which he returned to civilian life due to illness. Unable to continue his medical practice, he turned to teaching, becoming a professor at Michigan Agricultural College in 1863. Even though he'd stopped practicing, Kedzie still took his Hippocratic Oath seriously, especially the do-no-harm part. He served on the Michigan State Board of Health, the American Public Health Association, and numerous other committees as well. He was partly responsible for a state law requiring all commercial fertilizers to be inspected, as well as the creation of a Food and Dairy Commission. Robert Kedzie might have only served for a year in the Civil War, but when it came to keeping people safe, he never left the front lines. He also fancied himself something of an author. In 1874, he published a book. Only 100 copies were ever made, but it was said that anyone who spent too much time flipping through its pages would fall ill and may, in some cases, die. It was quite a turn for Kedzie, who had been beloved by his students and neighbors for keeping them safe. However, he didn't write the book to hurt anyone. In fact, he hardly wrote it at all. Except for the title page and the preface, there were almost no words anywhere else between its covers. Instead, it was comprised of 86 wallpaper samples, each with a different color or pattern. Kedzie had published his book, titled Shadows from the Walls of Death, as a warning. The wallpaper of the time was often dyed with colors made by mixing elements such as copper with another substance arsenic. By the late 1800s, roughly 56% of wallpaper sold in the United States was made with arsenic, and it wasn't as though Americans didn't know how dangerous it was. Over the ocean in Victorian England, impatient heirs were known to sprinkle what they called inheritance powder in a drink before serving it to an older family member sitting on a vast fortune. In the U.S., though, manufacturers didn't think their wallpapers were that dangerous, since people wouldn't be ingesting them. They just didn't count on homeowners inhaling poisonous particles that had flaked off and were now floating in the air. Kedzie wrote about women in the home who would become sick, only to retreat to their bedrooms and feel even worse, not knowing that what was killing them was all around them. He called it an air loaded with the breath of death. To get his message across, Kedzie sent every copy of his book to public libraries all over Michigan, along with a note, do not let children touch it. Many librarians didn't want his death book on their shelves, so they disposed of them permanently. Only four copies still exist today. One is kept by the University of Michigan, while another is boxed up in MSU's Special Collections Department. Each page is held in a plastic sleeve to prevent microscopic flecks from contaminating the air when the book is handled. Those who do touch it, with gloves of course, are advised not to lick their fingers when they turn the page. Harvard Medical School has a third copy, 
while the last is owned by the National Library of Medicine, which went through the arduous process of digitizing it for public use. Archivists who scanned the pages were required to wear hazmat suits, dust masks, and nitrile gloves while they were in close proximity to the book. Thanks to the National Library of Medicine, people all over the world can now safely read a book that was so dangerous it was nearly wiped from existence. Now I'd call that a page-turner. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.